I'd like you to think this morning to a time in your life where you were like, man, something's got to change. Clearly something's got to change. Or maybe change just happened. Or you look back and you realize that you changed quite a bit through something. Now, as you look back, that might be a, a positive thing. Likely it's somewhat an uncomfortable experience because change often is uncomfortable. I also realize that as I'm asking you to think about this, that it could also be a very like tough thing because sometimes what makes us go, oh, there needs to be change is a really hard experience. Maybe it's a bad experience. You know, I know it can be a difficult thing to think about. But our lesson today is about a change that can happen in us. Actually, for us, has already happened in us and is, is continuing to happen in us. It is something that can be uncomfortable. But as we look at our lesson today, we can see the, the discomfort for what it is and recognize how, how the power to change has been at work in us and continues to be at work in us and how it's going to continue to do incredible things in us, for us, and through us. So today we're going to learn about embracing the power to change. The lesson we have, it's John chapter 3, verses 1 and 9. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Now, before we go forward into the lesson today, I forgot to mention the beginning of it. So in the worship folder, you'll see there is a section where you can take notes if you want to. I also forgot to bring many pens today for those who don't have them. There are four extra ones. So if you want to take notes today and you don't have a pen, raise your hand and the first four get one. <laughs> it's like going to a brewer's game. The first how many get something except for it's just a pen. All right. So if you want a pen over there. <laughs> All right, but there's that section there, yeah, so you can take notes um, if you'd like when you get there. All right, so we've been moving through this Turning Points series and we're moving through the, really the history of God and his people. And from last week to this week marks a transition because we have been in the Old Testament, and this is the first lesson now in this series from the New. So thinking about where we've been. So last week with our sermon lesson, we were in a setting not long after the Babylonian captivity. Remember, God's people had turned away from him in so many ways, and so the northern ten tribes of Israel had been taken off and destroyed by the Assyrians. The remaining southern kingdom of Judah had been taken off to Babylon, but because God was faithful to his promise to bring a savior, to send a savior, he brought them back from captivity. And after they came back, they were able to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. But it's kind of this mixed emotions scene and time. Because when they came back from captivity, they built the temple, but the people who were old enough to remember the first one were actually weeping at the new one because, yeah, it's there, but it's nothing like the old one. It's nowhere near as big. 
and they're reestablishing things there, but still there's all kinds of issues with God's people. And last week's lesson from Malachi really highlighted that, that here you still have a time when God's people, their hearts are still not right before God. They're still struggling to really trust God and, and, and live the way God would call them to live. And so the Old Testament really wraps up for us, pointing us to the reality and that, man, something else needs to happen. Something else needs to change. We need someone. We need a Savior. And it's here in this scene, in this setting, I should say, where you have people back in the land and there is a temple and whatnot, but it, there's still, it's still not right, where they're still waiting for something to change, something to happen. It's here in this setting that Jesus comes on the scene. By the time we get to our lesson today, Jesus has already been baptized. He's starting to become known. He's starting to become this, this leader. He's gathered some disciples. He started to preach and to teach. He's already done his, his first big miracle at the wedding at Cana, and, and people are really intrigued by his words. But he's also causing a lot of stir by this point, too. We read in our background lesson, that gospel lesson, about how Jesus went into the temple that was there, and he cleansed the temple, is how we typically refer to it, how he went through and overturned tables and, and drove out animals and, and things like that because the people there were totally missing the point of what the temple was about. Instead of being a place for healing for the nations, they were treating it as a place to, to make money off the nations and so on. And it just were missing the point of, of the temple there. And so he, he causes a stir. He calls out what's happening. But then also in that background lesson, we were told that people noticed that he was doing all these miraculous signs. And so they're just trying to figure this guy out. And while they're trying to figure Jesus out, there was this also this interesting line. I don't know if you caught it, that he would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. People were trying to figure Jesus out, but Jesus had people figured out, and he knew that people were, <laughs> he could not just entrust himself to them at this point because they, they just didn't, they didn't quite get it. There's a lot of confusion about him at this point. And it's here now, as his ministry is, is growing in this way, where there's all this, this attention, but also confusion that we will learn about the power to change. See, in our lesson, we're told that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And now remember, the Pharisees were a part of the, the Jewish religious and political uh, group and authority. And I say political and religious because you have to keep in mind that in the Jewish culture, those two things went hand in hand. If you had religious power, you also had political power. They, they weren't separate things. And so you've got these two main groups when you think about it. You think about the Pharisees and you think about the Sadducees. So this is one of the kind of ruling groups amongst the people, both religiously and politically. So you have this man, Nicodemus, who's of that group. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to, came to Jesus at night. Just a simple detail, but I just want you to pause for a minute and think about why would Nicodemus come and see Jesus at night? That little detail tells us that there's something going on. He wants to come under the cover of darkness, right? Well, if you think about it, remember the Jewish ruling council. That means that he's been part of the people who have been telling the people how to go about their faith and religion and teaching people. And Jesus has just come now and flipped over things at the temple, right? Calling out the way they were practicing the religion. And so Jesus has come and confronted the very thing that Nicodemus was a part of. And so this is a disruption. This is a challenge to what he's been doing. 
to what he's being a part of. And as Jesus challenges what he's been a part of, you can see how this could be a, an uncomfortable, but also, you know, maybe he would even be somewhat afraid to go and talk to Jesus because if he talks to Jesus, what, what does everybody else in the council think, you know? Or what do the people think? If the people find out that Nicodemus, one of the rulers, is talking to this guy who's flipping tables at the temple, what are they going to think about it, you know? So as we think about the power of change, what does it look like maybe at first? It can look like us feeling challenged. Jesus came and he was challenging the, the authorities, challenging the way they thought about their faith. Sometimes when the power to change is at work in our lives, it can challenge us. Actually, often it does. Challenge the way we've been doing things. Challenge the way we think about life, the way we think about faith. It can disrupt us disrupt the way we've been doing things. And it can also bring about fear. Because if I've been doing it one way and now I'm thinking about it another way, what is everybody else going to think? Or even just, how am I going to think about this differently? Should I think about it differently? It can cause fear. But as we think about Nicodemus coming when he's been challenged, disrupted, likely with fear, also notice that Jesus is willing to meet him here. Kind of like God met Elijah in that whisper like we read about in that background lesson. Jesus didn't say, no, Nicodemus, we got to meet in public, right? You want to meet at night? Let's talk at night. And Jesus met him there. And when, when you are in that, that point where you've been challenged, disrupted, you're afraid, Jesus meets you there. We see this when the power to change is at work. Challenging, disrupting, fear, but he meets you there. Nicodemus, when he comes to Jesus, he goes on and he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. And I'm just going to pause there for a minute because both those things he said are very interesting. I mean, Nicodemus is, is part of the ruling council. He's one of the teachers, right? And this term rabbi is a very, this is a term that's acknowledging that Jesus knows a lot. He's full of information and wisdom. This is a very, you know, like look at honoring term, rabbi. And then he goes and he uses a different term. Rabbi and teacher are very closely related. As I studied them more this week, rabbi seems like someone who's like full of the information, but then teacher is the one who, who goes and does the specific teaching. So they, they go together, but they're, they're slightly different. And he uses both of them. He, so he honors him. He's like, I can see you're full of wisdom and that you are a teacher. So you're here to teach people. It's an interesting thing for him to say as someone who's part of that ruling council, but then he goes on and kind of explains for us why. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus has this, this thing going on where he recognizes Jesus is doing miracles. And there's only one explanation. He's got to be from God. You can't just, you can't fake what Jesus has been doing. This is, these are legitimate miracles. And so there must be something, something going on here. God must be sending him. God must be speaking here. God must be teaching, teaching us, wanting to teach us something. That's another part of how the power to change will be at work in us is there may be a point where you just recognize that I might maybe have something to learn. You don't necessarily know what it is yet. You don't get it. 
but where you look and you're like, it just seems like God just wants to teach me something. I need to grow. I need to learn. Something happens in life where it kind of puts you into a posture of, I, got, I don't know. There's some, there's some way I need to grow. There's something I need to learn here. That's part of what we see when the power to change is at work. But then look how Jesus replied. He didn't say, yes, you're right, I'm a teacher. He just goes right into teaching. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can he be born? A man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. So here Jesus talks of being born again, and Nicodemus is just perplexed. What? You know, Jesus says this thing about being born, and Nicodemus is like, I don't get this. He takes it in a very literal sense. It doesn't make any, you know, I, I just, I can't, all oh, that whole, I don't even want to think through all the details of what he's implying, right? Like, <laughs> getting back in your mother, that just doesn't work, right? So he's like, what, do you, what on earth could you be talking about in this very literal way? It just doesn't make any sense. But that's another something that can happen when the power to change is at work. If we're going to really be changed, if God's going to introduce something new to us, that means that it can be very foreign to us what he's going to introduce. For Nicodemus, it just blows his mind, right? Like, what are you talking about? This doesn't make any sense. Sometimes when God wants to change us, it may be something, it might be a way of thinking about life that we've never considered before. Or maybe a change in path that we've never thought about. Or maybe we have, but we've never entertained it. We've been resistant to it, or whatever it is. The power to change, especially if it's a really drastic change, can be kind of mind-boggling at first. What? This doesn't make any sense. But that's often how the power to change can work. Now look at what Jesus, Jesus answers and how he fleshes out this new idea to Nicodemus. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Let me just read that again because there's a pretty dense, dense section here. I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. What is Jesus talking about here? As Lutherans, one of the things that we really value, and it's just a wonderful thing we value, is, is the sacrament of baptism. And often when we think about this section here, whenever we see water and the spirit, often our minds go right there. But I want to kind of pull us back from that a bit. This verse, or what Jesus says here, helps us understand baptism, but it is not directly about baptism, partly because the sacrament of baptism as we know it was not instituted by Jesus until he had risen from the dead. That doesn't start till later. Yes, John the Baptist is baptizing people, but that's a different sort of baptism. At that point, there's no in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That happens later. So this lesson, what Jesus says here, helps us understand baptism better. It gives us context for it, but it's not directly about it. It actually is rooted somewhere else. And it's rooted back at the very beginning. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the very first things that we see on the scene when God creates, we're told that the earth was formless and empty. Darkness is over the surface of the deep. And so then you have these waters here. Waters in the deep. 
And then the Spirit of God, which is often for us represented by a dove, is hovering over the waters. Right? This is the very, the very first things that we see. You've got earth formless and void. You have these waters, and you have the Spirit of God. So Jesus, in this context, understanding that baptism has not been instituted by him yet, when he uses his words about water and the Spirit, what is he bringing us back to? He's bringing us back to creation. Exactly. He's bringing us back to the creation scene. So what is he saying here to Nicodemus? Unless he's born of water and spirit, there has to be new creation. God is creating, needs to create something new in you. And that's something, when we're thinking about just regular, I'm going to change and grow as a person, we might not think of it as new creation. But when God wants to do something truly God-like in you, truly supernatural in you and really grow you in your faith and who he created you to be. That is not something that just comes out of who you are. You're not going to, you don't make that, you don't work that up. This is a, this is God creating again. This is a new creation in you. It's one of those, maybe you've heard that, that statement where, where, where Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Like it's a totally, like we were dead in our sins, separated from God. And now we've been transformed and made new. When the power to change is at work, like the real change, the ultimate change is working in us, it means going back to new creation. Which also then again helps us understand baptism because baptism is connecting us to new creation. We see that new creation and the power to change. Jesus, he goes on to say, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And how can this be, Nicodemus asked. But Jesus says, you, you don't need to wonder at this. You don't need to marvel at this. This is not something that should, should be where you're like, oh, man, I wonder how this works. This is something that you can actually kind of get. And, you know, Pastor Krause and I, we often go back to the original languages and bring out different pictures and... and and the expectation is not that you all are going to learn Greek and Hebrew, but there are a couple things, a few things that if you can keep in your mind, they will illuminate illustrations in, in God's word. And here is one of them. The word wind and spirit are the same. They're the same. They literally just mean, they both mean moving air. And so there are some cool illustrations in God's word that are right there in the language when you see it when you recognize that, and this is one of them. So when he talks about the wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell what comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Spirit and wind, right away within the word spirit, because it's the same as wind, there's a picture of how it works. And to help us experience it, some here I actually brought, uh, I have this, my favorite fan from at home today. Let's see here. I better move it ahead here so I don't blow out the candles, I suppose. Okay. I don't know if it's got the power. Can you feel it out there at all? Maybe, maybe not. Get kind of an idea, right? I don't know. Let's see. Let's get it over there more. Okay. It's pretty warm today. You guys are happy I brought this, right? When you think about the wind, or think about how wind works, right? Sometimes you can hear the effect of it. You can feel the effect of it. Right now, you know it's coming from this fan. But when you're outside, 
Where does the wind start? I don't know. I'm sure there's some scientist here who probably knows a lot more about the science of wind than I do. But I don't know. When I'm out in the wind, outside and it's windy, I can't trace. Well, it starts here. It's just blowing from somewhere. I don't know. And where does it go? I don't know. But it's there, and it's real, and it has a real impact. I know some of you, when I was, was last week in July, right, that's when I was at the youth rally. There was a big storm that came through here, right? And wind had a big effect, right? It has power to shake things up and change things up. And when you think about the Spirit, too, at the beginning, you think about the Spirit of God hovering over the waters, the wind of God hovering over the waters. If you've ever been out in the water and the wind's blowing and the waves are going, right? Um, you know, that was when, when I was vacationing this summer in Dork County and my neighbor guy took me out. He's like, hey, want to go fishing? Like, yeah, took me out. And it was awesome. But also, like, as the wind starts picking up, how it starts getting choppy. And think about the, the effect of the wind and kind of the picture of wind even in creation here, right? Wind has power. It has effect. Wind was there. When you think about the spirit at creation, and you don't have to get where wind comes from or where wind is going to get that wind is powerful and makes this difference. It's the same idea with the Spirit. You don't have to wonder at this. Yeah, you can't see it. Yeah, you don't really get how it all works, but it works. When the power of change is working at us, we are impacted by something that is outside of us and beyond us. Just like this wind here, if I turn this fan back on, it's going to blow and have an effect on me and move my robe around and whatnot. And if you've got a big storm that blows through and it makes all this difference, it makes an impact, that happens when the power to change is at work. And then finally, we don't have to get it to get it. Maybe you're like, wait, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand all the science of wind, but I get the effect of wind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get all the details to get how it works, or at least the base, or at least what it does. When you say the spirits like the wind, I'm like, oh yeah, I get that, even though I don't get all that. You don't have to get it to get it. Now, when you look at all these things, being challenged, disrupted, having fear, Jesus meets you there. It leads us to have potential to openness to learning. There's something new or foreign going on. God is working new creation in me and impacting me by something outside of me. And it's something I don't have to get, but I can get. All these are aspects to the power of change. But I want to ask you too to think about these things. When you are challenged or disrupted or feeling afraid, do you embrace always that Jesus is willing to meet you in those moments? If you're like me, the answer is no. Sometimes I just get angry with God in those moments. Or I just wish those moments were over with. You know, like we just want pain to be over as quickly as possible. Like this is uncomfortable. Can we just get back to normal, please? And instead of being open to learning or wanting something new or foreign, we just want familiar. I want to go back to what it was. Which one of the things just learn more in life again and again is so often things change. And one of the things that's hard is I think we often, I think we probably need to learn better the skill of mourning something that was but isn't anymore. There's a change that's happened and we can't go back. We need to go forward. 
but often we don't want to. And instead of being new creation, you know, we just, we want what was. We want to be where we've been. And we don't want to be impacted by something else. We want to do it ourselves. And we want to get it. So often, we just want to get what's next, and we want to get how God works. I've been, it's been interesting how often recently I've been uh, encouraging people who've been struggling to, all right, I want to grow, I want to get better, I want, want there to be change, and, within, and there's this sense of, I got to understand, like, the mechanics of it. And, like, you don't have to understand the mechanics of it for it to work. Sometimes you got to just let it change you. But that's hard for us to do. We like to be in our own way, in our own strength. We like to figure it out ourselves. It's all part of how we're naturally sinful people who are naturally not dependent on God. We don't depend on God the way that God invites us to. Rather, we, we naturally we go our own way. You know, and if God were to leave us that way, we would be stuck without him forever. But if you're hearing this and you're going, ah, yeah, that is me sometimes. Sometimes I do struggle. I don't want to listen to God necessarily. I, I, I struggle with this. If that's you, then the power of change is already working on you. You know, if, if you're listening to this, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, and it's, and it's causing a stir in you, or if you've ever recognized that you haven't trusted God or listened to God, that means that God has already been working on you. And if you believe that Jesus has died for your sins and risen again, and if you know that God loves you and is for you, that means that the power to change is already doing incredible things to you. Perhaps the best news about this power to change is that this is not something that originates in you, but has already been working on you. In our lesson, God the Father had sent Jesus at just the right time. He knew when the Savior needed to come. God the Son was there causing this disruption. God the Son would go to the cross and then ultimately take your sin and mine and the sins of the whole world and pay for it there and then rise again to show he had conquered it and won victory over it. And it would be God the Spirit who would give people faith to believe it and the power to live it. God's the one who was on the scene creating this change there and he is the one on the scene creating the change now. If your heart's been stirred, the Spirit's been working. If you recognized needs to change in your life, God the Father's been guiding. And forever you've, however you've fallen short, Jesus was dying to pay for that. And he rose again and is living to give you new life again. To give you real change. When you've been brought to faith in the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you, you have been made a new creation. There is something new or different going on in you. When you recognize that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are at the center of this power, it can change the way you look at change. If something is challenging you or causing you to be disrupted or be afraid, we can recognize, you know, God may be at work right now. And instead of being afraid, or instead of just turning away or being frustrated at that, we can know that Jesus meets us right there. He meets you there. And if he meets you there, then maybe we can embrace that, you know what, maybe there's something God wants to teach us, is willing to grow in us and do in us. 
And if it's coming from God and he's working in us, then we can embrace that maybe it is something new or foreign. After all, he's God and he knows a lot more than I do. He's a lot better at being God than I am. So maybe I got something that's going to blow my mind. After all, when I was brought to faith in Christ, when I was baptized into Christ, I was made a new creation. And whenever I go and remember the fact that I was baptized into Christ, whenever I go to his word, I'm going to where, whenever I go to the Lord's Supper, I'm going to those places where the Holy Spirit moves. I'm embracing God, working more and more what that new creation looks like in my life. Because there, when I go to those things, when I go to the, the word, to the sacraments, those things, when I go to what God says to me, I'm going to something that is more powerful than me. It's impacting me. It's something beyond me that changes me. And in those moments, I don't have to get how it all works. This is one of the things I love about the fact that we have these means of grace, like God's word and his sacraments and things that go to is I don't have to figure out, okay, now how am I going to change? How am I going to do it? That's actually the opposite. Instead, we go to the cross, lay our sins before him, look to the gospel, hear it again. Remember that it means that we're baptized. We go to the Lord's Supper. We spend time around Christians who encourages us and support us. We worship God. We behold the beauty of who God is. And as we come to him, he changes us. It's not about us figuring out or working any of these things. The power to change does not come from within us. It comes from outside of us. And when we're feeling disrupted, afraid, or any of these things, we can, by the power of the Spirit, have a whole new perspective. Open to being taught something completely foreign. Wanting to be made new. Trusting that it's going to come from God, not from us. And we don't have to get it to get it. It can happen by the power of the Spirit by the power to change.